God speaks to us in his word in Ephesians 3, 7 through 11. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to see everybody. My name is Ben. If I haven't met you, I'm a lead pastor here, and I get to serve as one of several leaders and one of a couple elders on the ground here in Shawnee. And really are blessed that you'd be here. We're going to be in Ephesians 3 today. We have been preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're taking a break today because we're going to jump into a membership renewal. Now, some of you, in the, and when we announced that, some of you were like, what in the world do you mean, membership renewal? What that means is this. We do take membership seriously. And the reason is, I would love to talk with you about this further. I am preaching on the church today. I'm preaching on why it matters that we're rooted in the church um, and we take a whole Sunday to preach on this topic. One, because obviously I wouldn't be doing what I do for my livelihood if I didn't love the church. And also because the reason I love the church is because I just see how critical it is for our life as we follow Jesus. So we're, we're moving aside from 1 Corinthians today. We're going to be preaching on what the church is because we really want you to know that what we do here and you showing up today and if you're a member in the church, all that matters. It's not just something we say. It's not just raising a hand for us and saying like, I want to be a member. It's like, great, you're a member. We'll see you never. It really is a commitment to a group of people based on the New Testament. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I just want you to, I love this. I, you probably tell I'm already a little fired up. Ephesians 3 is one of my favorite passages in the whole world. And so what I want you to do is just, Open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart up to hear and receive what the Bible, what God would have to say about his church. And that is important. It is his church. We are members of it. It describes Jesus as the head of the church or the head of the body, which means this. I am not the lead pastor of this church, ultimately. Ultimately, Jesus is the lead pastor of this church. My job is to follow him. So anyway, I'm already preaching before I started preaching, but uh, please pay attention, Ephesians 3. I want to start with giving you guys a little bit of insight into my personal life. You're about to learn something about me that most people don't know, and it's this. If there was such thing as a gym philanthropist, I would, be, I would win an award for it. And let me explain what I mean. I love to just donate to the gym and never ask for anything in return. If I was rich, I'd be I'd have so far, I mean, I, can't, I don't even want to know how much money I've wasted on gyms. I love it. I don't ask for weights. I don't ask for trainers. I don't use the sauna or the air conditioning, nothing. I just have memberships to gyms and don't ever go. I would win an award if there was such thing as a gym philanthropist. Somebody, anybody else say amen? I don't know why I donate so much time and effort to this gym. In all seriousness, though, sometimes 
The reason I bring that up is because sometimes we treat the church like we treat our gym membership. We say, I belong to this place, but I don't ever really go or put any effort in, or it's just a check. And most of us, most of the time, don't even write the check. <laughs> we just say, I belong here. I always wonder what it would be like if I polled like several hundred people in Pot County and said, what church do you belong to? I think our attendance would quadruple than what it actually is. We all have our ideas about what it means to be a part of a church, to be a member in a church. And the worst thing we can do is treat it like the gym because the church in and of itself is an entity. It is an organism. It requires people and effort and it requires patience and lots of things that we're gonna talk about today. We have ideas about the church, especially in the Bible Belt, some good, some bad. The church is so many wonderful, beautiful things, but at the same time, it's also a paradox because there are all these ways that the Bible lists, all these names the Bible lists for the church, gives the church, and we go like, okay, that's great. That sounds idealistic to talk about the body of Christ and the bride of Christ and the temple of God and the wisdom of God, but also there's some things that we need to talk about that we're not very good at. The body of Christ, what a great way to depict the church. He is the head, we are his body, his hands and feet, marching onward through pain and suffering to serve the poor and lay down our lives for the gospel. I'm in on that. But the paradox is this. At the same time, the church can be filled with really self-absorbed, money-hungry people who have no desire to lay down anything, much less their lives. It's also the bride of Christ, which sounds a little bit weird, but when you think about it, when you think about it, men, we kind of struggle with this, but it's, let's not get too weird with it. I mean, how the Bible describes the church is literally the one that he bought, he purchased, we belong to him. The bride of Christ pursued. You are loved, you are cherished and adored, committed in covenant forever to him. But then the paradox is that the bride can often be cold at times and obtuse and also an adulterer. The temple of God, the temple of God, the church, Jesus, the first true and better temple and then makes the church his chosen people, according to Peter, a royal priesthood, the temple, bringing the glory of God, the holy of holies, bringing the presence of God himself to the world. The temple of God, filled with his spirit, displaying the intricate details of his splendor. Yet she often lacks peace and priestliness and power. How about the wisdom of God? The church is the sermon. The church is the sermon that God opens his mouth. Listen to this. God himself comes down, opens his mouth, preaches the gospel. And you know how he preaches? The church. The wisdom of God on earth, like we just read, but at the same time, so fragile and so weak at times. How do we respond to the paradox of the church? There's several ways that we do, especially in the Bible Belt, and that you have and I have as well. We become cynical, and then we withdraw. We give up and walk away, and we say, this is not what it's supposed to be. We turn into an armchair quarterback who only has opinions but never actually does any of the work. We become idealistic, and then we critique the church, critique the people, 
wanting the church to be perfect, wanting people to be perfect, wanting leaders to be Jesus, expectations that aren't biblical or beneficial. Therefore, I'm critical because that pastor or those people or that community group leader doesn't follow Jesus for me. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this in his book, Life Together, every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves the dream of community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. We become critical and idealistic. I always think about this with men or women in the room who run a business or do a job, especially if it's a high profile job. We got business owners in the room. Any women here, men here that do that? And it's interesting how many people love to have opinions about how you should run their business, and especially if they've never ran a business before. Or if they've never done anything before. I'm, I'm saying this in humility or parents in the room, it's like, it's amazing how many people have opinions on how to parent children that have never been parents. Idealism and critique. Consumerism is the third way. We keep on constant search for this idealistic place. We never settle into a people and let those people form you for better or for worse. Always look and for the wrong reasons, we're always looking for, this is part of the fall, we're always looking for the Garden of Eden in places other than heaven. C.S. Lewis, uh, we quote a lot. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. And it's really, the book is from the perspective of the enemy of the church, or the devil and his sort of demons. And so it's their correspondence back and forth and their strategies about how to thwart Christians or people from following God. And in one section of the book, he talks about churchgoers and their strategy is this. Here's the strategy that C.S. Lewis kind of depicts. Surely you know that if a man can, can't be cured of churchgoing, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. The search for a suitable church makes the man a critic where the enemy, he's referring to God, wants him to be a pupil. Consumerism. One pastor always said we treat churches like Burger King, have it your way. Whatever you want on the ecclesial buffet. The church is more than a gym. It's more than just a club for consumers. Ephesians 3 and the life of Paul in general points us to this and it proves it. So let's look at Ephesians 3 verse 7. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. Paul writing this is important here because Paul says it himself. I was the chief of sinners and not just like sinful and became a Christian because he thought like that's a better way to do it. Paul actually his entire life was devoted to killing, persecuting Christians. And here's what happens. His name was Saul at the time. Saul, who had money and fame, he was the guy. The Sanhedrin, Jewish leaders, they looked to Saul. Go and persecute the church. Go and stop them. He was like a general for them. So he's on his way to go and persecute the church. 
Jesus comes and disrupts his life, which is a whole other sermon. But by the way, that's the only way that you can be saved is for Jesus to just interrupt your life. Saul's on the road. Jesus interrupts his life. And here's what Jesus says to Saul. Saul is on his way to kill Christians or persecute them. And Jesus says this to him. In falling to the ground, Saul falls to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Saul said to God, who he knew God, he had the Torah memorized. He was a devout Jew. He knew who Yahweh was. And he said, who, who are you, Lord? I have known about you, but I now know you. Jesus, you are Lord. And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now think about this. This is big for the church. Paul, Saul, is on his way to persecute the church. And Jesus knocks him off his horse or donkey and says, why are you on your way to persecute me? We are the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the arms and feet of Jesus in this world. The church, first and foremost, is made up by people who are saved by God and who function as his people on earth. In verse eight, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, Paul says, this grace was given to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. At the center of the church is the gospel. Those unsearchable riches is the parable of the man who sold everything he owned to get the treasure in the field, to buy the field. Jesus says there's a treasure in a field. There's a man. <laughs> he finds the treasure. It's the treasure he's been looking for. That's Jesus. He doesn't just go buy the treasure. He buys the entire field. He wants it all. It's worth it. At the center of the church, is the gospel and at the center of the true Christian is humility. Verse nine, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan or the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is where you should perk up because this is a fact and it's a massive statement. So that through the church, say it with me, so that through the church, let's do it again, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. There's not a single other way that the wisdom of God will be made known. It's through the church. The church is not a mistake or plan B. It's the way that God will bring his kingdom on earth. It's on full display, the wisdom of God to authorities. It's how we push back darkness in this world. That's why it doesn't work for you to go out on your own and start fighting the devil. That's a really bad idea. That's a really bad idea. You are supposed to fight the devil with full confidence, knowing that God is all powerful, but at the same time, you do it within a community of believers in faith. Needless to say, the church is big. It's much more than just a gym membership. Membership in the local church carries eternal weight and serves eternal purpose. So quickly, I wanna run through a few things with you guys. What does it mean then to belong to a church? I've got a few things here. We're gonna jump around a little bit. I'll have scripture on the screen for you. The first thing is this, membership is unity. It's unity. In Ephesians 4, the next chapter from 3, 4, 1 through 3, Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you 
to do something, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He's talking to the church. You've been called to something. You've been called to a people. And how do we do that? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Membership is unity. If nothing else, it's the thing that we should strive and fight for. Being saved by Jesus sure enough saves me from sin and into an eternal kingdom. But it's more than just that. I'm also saved into a body of people. To be a Christian means to be forever united to Jesus, but to also be tethered to his body, the church. Why it doesn't do any good for us to say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, that doesn't really work. You, don't, you like the head, but you don't like any other parts of the body? That doesn't work. It's the whole body. We are his body. Imagine you as hands, feet, arms, legs. On earth, Jesus. Somebody say, man, it would be so much better if Jesus was here in, the, here in the flesh. He is. He is. When you raise your hand as a church member, you are raising the hands of Jesus. When you say, let's go, let's pray, you are praying the prayers of Jesus if you follow Jesus. The body of God, functioning, walking, working, and then striving to build unity. Membership is unity. God designed you to know him, learn him, repent to him, and serve him by being in his body. Anything else doesn't work. This means that we fight for one another. This means that we keep short accounts. This means that we don't look to the people in the room to supply all of our needs according to their riches and glory. Anybody here have riches and glory? Anybody have enough to supply everybody's needs? That's why we look to Jesus. He supplies our needs according to his riches and glory. It means we stop thinking primarily about ourselves and start thinking about others in the church. Membership is unity and it says that we need to be eager to maintain. That word literally means to be eager means to fight. That means that we're, we're not passive with unity. We fight to maintain unity. Which, by the way, I love this because this is so clear that as Christians, we don't create unity. Unity is not something we have to conjure up. You are unified just in the fact that Jesus saved you. That's our first act of unity. And what we do is we fight to maintain unity. Membership is unity. I'll point to this an example. Find someone who just gave their life to Jesus. Find someone who is a brand new Christian. And they cannot wait to be around church people. They cannot wait to be at church. They'll do whatever it takes to get to church. We need to do whatever it takes to get them there. Unity is given by Jesus when we are saved. There's no qualms. We love each other. But over time, what happens is unity gets dismissed because we start to look to other people to supply our needs like we said, and they never can, and then we get upset. That's just life. That's in a cursed and broken world. It's just gonna bend that way. What we have to do is recorrect and go, man, I'm supposed to fight to maintain unity. Let me go to this brother or this sister and let's work it out together and let's be patient with one another. Second is this, membership is diversity. In 1 Corinthians 12, you see all of this about diverse in the body. It says this, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, 
Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Membership is diversity. Body requires different parts to operate. We as the body have different things to offer. We have gifts. We have testimonies. We have issues as well to offer the church. For the church, it means that not everyone should be an elder. It means not everyone should be a deacon. It means not everyone should be a community group leader. But what it doesn't mean is that you can escape serving and being a minister. That's everybody's role is to be a minister. It's not my role to be the minister. I'm not like bishop over this place. It's your role to be a minister. My job is to equip you to do ministry. And that means however you do it. I'm so blessed by this church. My gosh, I could sit here for hours and talk about the great people in this church. I really am. I'm not just like saying that because that's what I'm supposed to say. This church is full of some of the most diverse, great people I've ever been around in my life. There are so many gifts, people serving and loving on each other. That's what we have to fight for. That's what church membership is. Whoever you are, however God made you, use your gifts to serve the body. And be okay with how God made you. Everyone should participate in caring for one another and doing the work of ministry. Membership is unity, it's diversity, and it's also commitment. Number three, commitment isn't something that's valued much in our world. Um, we've begun to worship King Emotion more and more, and when we start to believe the lie that life is simply and dominantly about our individual happiness and self-actualization, we're often left with constant turnover rate. You ever notice the constant turnover rate in this world? Marriages, friendships, jobs, and even calling. The amount of times, and I, I have to be careful here because I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I, I don't know about your life. I cannot dictate to you what God has called you to, but that word calling can be used for any single thing. It's like, well, God called me to this and God called me over here and the next day he called you to something different. It's like, will he ever, will God ever call you to actually be faithful to a place and a people? This matters. This matters. It matters that membership is commitment is saying, I'm gonna be here with these people. Now, I wanna bring up something that's very important. It is true. God some, does sometimes call you to a different place. And that's okay. He's done that in my life a few times. That's okay. There's no, if you're a part of this church today and you, of course, have been a part of another church at some point or whatever, it's okay, man. We're glad that you're here. No condemnation here. But it really does require commitment. That means like not leaving at the first sign of being upset at something. It means working through or trying to. And sometimes you can't work through and sometimes it's time to move on. But work through it. Try to work through it at least. Membership is commitment. It seems that what we need now more than ever is people that will fight for each other, fight for their marriage, fight for their friendship. When they hear something weird or what they think is off-putting and they have an offense from someone else, they'll do the work to do the Christian work to go to that person and say, hey, you said something or did something and I, I really want some clarity here. Doing Romans 12 does, says, ask us to do, which is outdo one another in showing honor. It's me going to brother or sister, Pastor Pat, 
and I have been doing ministry for a few years, and we, we do this together. It's like, I, there's something you said I need clarity about. Fight for one another. Being committed first and primarily to Jesus means you lay down your own pride and you work for the good of others. That's why marriage is about Jesus. Marriage is not about that person supplying all your needs according to their riches and glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a theme here. It means your friendships are ultimately about Jesus. It means your job, your calling about Jesus. It means your commitment to the church is ultimately about Jesus. Finally, this, if it's not already obvious, membership is hard. (laughs) Membership is hard, but it's also good. And I just wanna tell some of you guys, maybe you need to hear this as much as I do. Most good things in life, maybe every good thing in life is never easy. It takes work, it takes effort, and it doesn't just fall out of the sky. Membership is hard but it's also good. Good things are usually hard. All right, we're gonna do something together. I'm gonna read through Romans 12. And um, this whole chapter is just a little bit of a motivation and more practical way for us to be Christians and be members in the church. Well, membership is hard in Romans 12, one through, one through eight, says this. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, just pay attention to all the commands here. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, according, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who con- contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right, now this is eight verses, and you probably are like, okay, let me take a deep breath. That's because there are 12 commands in these eight verses. <laughs> 12 commands. And I love, Paul says, present your bodies, treat each other a certain way, use your gifts, do all these things. 12 times in eight verses, and then this last little caveat in the end, do it with cheerfulness. (laughs) Got it, thank you, Paul. All those, anything else you want us to do with cheerfulness? It's all given to the church. This is not like suggestions on how everybody should live their life, although I would be great if they could. This is written to the church. Be these things, do these things, not suggestions. And by the way, do them with cheerfulness. Give your bodies away. Give your life away. Membership is hard. Membership is hard. But then when we start to compare the life the Bible sets up for us and compare it to the whole world around us, it starts to take a little different shape. Here's what it says. Let love be genuine. 
not fake, not what have you done for me lately. Let it be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Not dog eat dog, not step on people, whatever it takes for you to get to the top. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Don't just think about yourself, not self-absorption. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Think first, what, does, what do people need from me? What, what does my church need from me? What a different way to live. Not what can I get. Bless those who persecute you. Hello. That's different. Bless those who persecute you. Don't cancel. <laughs> Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. I mean, we're comparing this to our culture. My goodness, this is different. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, I love this because Paul knows it's not always possible. If possible, so long as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. And finally, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The church is hard, but it's also good. This is better. This is better. For everybody that's not even a Christian in the room, or not a Christian yet, you would even agree, that sounds better. That sounds better than the rat race of the world around me. Membership is hard, but it's also good. Mark Sayers says this in closing today. In an age that encourages maximum autonomy and the transgressing of limitations, perhaps we need to see the institution of church as a spiritual discipline. We get the idea that making the choice to wake up early and read our Bibles or to commit to regularly giving away our money to charity or to fast may not always be pleasurable, but in the discipline of these things, we become more Christ-like. Yet we expect church to always be pleasurable, always be enriching, and always be exciting. Maybe the limitations of church, the discipline of regular attendance, the commitment it requires also teach us to be Christ-like. Maybe we need to reimagine church in our minds as a spiritual discipline which teaches us the value of delayed gratification, of personally investing in change, of becoming more like Jesus. This church, Frontline Shawnee, is uh, a massive blessing to this town. You are a massive blessing 
I promise you, I did two straight weeks worth of tornado, tornado relief with a lot of city officials. And I introduced myself to them and they asked me, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor and what church? Frontline, they're like, oh. I mean, this happened more than I can count. Oh, we love you guys. Your people are so great. They're, the way you serve the town and serve the city. I mean, these are city officials that I've never even seen. <laughs> you are a massive blessing to this town. You are a massive blessing to my life. You are a massive blessing to each other. What I wanna invite you to do is to not grow weary of doing good. I wanna invite you to commit. And maybe for some of us in the room, there are members in this church, covenant members, that you've kinda lost the drive for that. Maybe there's part of you that's saying like, okay, I've become a member, but I'm not really in like I wanna be. Get in, get in, be involved, be all the way in, be in with us. We need you. It's the grace of God that has put you here today. Or maybe there's several of you that have attended for a long time or I don't know, even a short amount of time. And you're kind of debating like, man, do I wanna become a member yet? Or what does that even mean? I would love to talk with you about that, but also I would just encourage you. Maybe now is the time for you to go ahead and become a member. I know it's different than what you grew up with. I know it's different than how you've probably experienced membership in other churches, but it does matter. There's several in the room that maybe have an idea about God, an idea about the church. Growing up in the Bible Belt and you've got some disdain for the church. It just feels like a club and that feels trite and cheap. Maybe today God has given you a new vision for what the church is. I invite you, if you just are a Christian only because of where you live, and then I would like for you to really examine your heart and say, man, do I really follow Jesus? Have I laid down my life to follow him? That's the over-churched and under-gospeled. Let the gospel move in your heart today. Maybe God's given you a new vision for the church, and today's the day for salvation for you. One of the things we're about to do is one of the marks of the Christian for those baptized into the body is communion. If you're a Christian in the room today, you don't have to be a member in this church to take communion with us, of course, but you do have to be a Christian. If you're a Christian today, I wanna invite you to come and take communion. If you've been baptized into the faith, baptized in the body, please come and take communion with us. If you're not a Christian, uh, we're gonna have some prayers on the screen for you. We'd ask you to not take the table, not take communion. Part of it is this, is this is a family meal. And as we learn, the family of God is the church of God. And if you're not a Christian, you're not a part of the church yet. If you're serving the table, go ahead and come down. For the rest of us, let's stand up as we get ready to receive communion today.